0: Hey there! We're the Westlap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scoussbow. Scuzz, welcome back. Thank um, you. Good Tag! A- yeah. Uh, hope you had a great trip over there in, in Germany. Hope Oktoberfest was
1: wonderful. I live to tell the tale boys well i that that's fantastic uh, but yeah, I will I, not be telling any tales on this podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i I think that um a lot of us here wish we were there, so we could have used the wonderful German beer to wash away sort of the pain of this loss to Wisconsin last week um although. You know, you look at you look at the game, and I, I know while while we were watching it, it felt bad. And yes, Thorson took eight sacks, and we we, I I think the biggest question I have for you guys is, you know, after the game, we started seeing a lot more of the Fire McCall group, uh, a little bit more
1: vocal, a little bit louder. I don't know, they were pretty loud after Duke. No. Yeah, they're I, pretty loud after Nevada.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I, I, again, I feel like this has been like a, uh, thing over the past couple of weeks. I am a noted non Mick McCall fan. <laughs> you might say I've, I've chaired the anti Mick McCall club at various points, but I mean like, honestly, that's not where I point the finger in this game. Um, I think it's hard not to say that the defense didn't do a good job and offensively We put uh, two basically rookie tackles up against a sick pass rush. You know, it's funny, Sammy, using the terminology that you use. You said Thorson took eight sacks. No, Thorson took four sacks in the Duke game. Thorson got sacked eight times. That's fair. In the in the Wisconsin game, I mean, and uh, well, not not all of the sacks were or him getting
0: sacked. I mean, the the safety at the end was definitely uh, something that he could have done something about
2: and probably should have done
0: something about.
2: For sure, but honestly, he had the better quarterback game of the two quarterbacks, and when you factor in the fact that he got absolutely lit up like a bell in this game, um, I I think his brain was just a little bit a mess by the end of the game. I kind of... On the balance, I'd say he had a pretty good fourth quarter considering how the third quarter went because yeah, uh, the third quarter was an absolute nightmare.
1: I can't say that he had a better game than Hornibrook. Really? I mean, so yardage, they were pretty close. Yes, uh, Hornibrook's, um completion percentage was much worse, but Hornibrook averaged 9.9, 9 and Thorson only averaged 4.9. And one thing that I'm – a growing concern for me and and I this was very evident in the Duke game um not as much against Bowling Green or even Nevada but against more difficult defenses I think I think we're not getting a lot of open receivers downfield and when Thorson needs to look more than 10 yards downfield I think he's struggling he's holding on to the ball too long um yeah I mean like Wisconsin's D brought a lot of heat and and a lot of skill on
2: the D line and and they're, I mean, Wisconsin's secondary is really good.
1: But too. yeah, it, their secondary is great. And, we, and when we have those matchups, we might have another one this week against Penn State. I mean, they're not as good as Wisconsin, but they've got some talent. We, I, I think, I think we're having trouble getting separation. And I think Thorson is in this weird kind of in between place where he doesn't want to take all the checkdown stuff. He knows that he needs to be more aggressive, but isn't seeing the windows or isn't finding the timing. You know, Jalen Brown is now out. That was a guy we're expecting to add athleticism. I'm just, I'm growing, I'm growing more and more concerned about that, especially when you couple with it, with a, a, a pretty obvious Justin Jackson injury or ailment of some nature. And now kind of both angles of our offense are coming up empty.
0: Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys about that, uh that Jackson issue. Um, You know, throughout the bye week, we hear nothing and, you know, we get no reports out of camp or out out of practice. But, you know, for him to come out and look as terrible as he did against Wisconsin and then afterwards, you know, it, oh yeah, he didn't practice at all this week because he was
2: battling an injury. Uh I am gonna I, I'm gonna take the contrarian viewpoint on here. I just don't subscribe to it. He caught an He caught a pass in open space at one point in the game. And the minute I and the minute I watched him catch it, I was like, oh, watch this. He's gonna make a guy look silly. And he did make a guy look silly and got an extra ten yards on the play. I just our offensive line. I just was not expecting our offensive line to produce any kind of run game. I'm kind of amazed. Jeremy Larkin averaged five yards a carry. Um, because our offensive line was just manhandled by Wisconsin's defense. And they were pretty much manhandled by Wisconsin's defense last year, too. And I think we could easily argue that somehow uh, this unit, as it's constituted right now, is probably a little bit worse than the unit that finished last season. And when you combine that with the fact that, I mean, Lord knows they blew enough smoke up his butt during the game but Jim Leonard does seem like a guy who's really on the rise. He put a bunch of great schemes out there. Wisconsin was really mix and matching the amount of guys that were on the line of scrimmage. And when you factor that in and then just the talent that they have pretty much everywhere, and the fact that we have two offensive tackles who are still learning on the job. I mean they it was it was a, a rough go to say the to say the least. I mean, I'm not saying Jackson's not hurt. I just don't think that's the problem. I just uh, you know, he, he was going to be fed into a buzzsaw this game.
1: Yeah. I, 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 could buy that. I, and and I could buy, like, I was just, I was just jumping to his game log here and he did have 121 yards against Bowling Green. He had over a hundred against Nevada. He, uh, it's, it's been these games on the road, Duke and Wisconsin. And I think you can, you can definitely, you can definitely look at some Occam's razor, um, situations here around like the 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 freshman starters you've mentioned john just the general upheaval on the line we still got hance generally playing uh playing at guard um combine that with you know maybe a potential injury or 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 something that's that's keeping jackson from doing the the jackson type things we've seen in the last couple years against teams like duke and wisconsin and you can just kind of infer that on the road those factors combined with the crowd and, and et cetera is just too much to overcome. I'll, I'll buy the crowd as a factor at Wisconsin. I
0: will not necessarily buy the crowd as a factor at Duke, but... good point. Very oh. good point. Yes. <laughs>
2: I, I want to make one important point here though, which is we, if you take Thorson's out, Thorson's safety out of the books, we lost this game by one touchdown and I would even pause it that we lost this game by one play. And that was the 66-yard pass in the third quarter on third and four. Um, and if you take that pass how, out of the game... That's how they beat us last year, too. One right. one big play. Right, Jazz Peavy last year. And it's this year. It's It was one big play. If you take that play out of the game, first of all, Horningbrook's line is god-awful with that 66-yard completion taken out. He ends up, I think, throwing for something like 130 yards and not completing half of his passes with two interceptions. Um, We dominated in first downs. If you take that play out, we dominated in pass yardage. Of course, running had a rough game. But basically, my point is... If you take that 166-yard play out, with all the stuff we're talking about, we still had the better offense on the field in that game. Um, and I think that's why it's important not to lose sight of the fact that uh, although we really needed this game from a larger goals perspective, Wisconsin's a good team, and this was a pretty close game.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know there are Plenty of ways to look at this game in a glass half full aspect. I mean, as as terrible as we looked in the third quarter, you know, Wisconsin gets out to the big lead. Um, and, you know, it really felt like up until, you know, we went on that, we started the comeback. You know, it's, it was completely out of hand. and And to our credit, you know, the Cats never quit. I mean, they made the drive. And they scored. And yeah, they got the onside kick, except it got called back from a really tenuous offsides penalty. I'm not 100% on that one. Um, and then, you know, they ran the clock. The, they kicked it deep. Clock management was there. They called the timeouts correctly. I mean, everything was was working the way, you know, everything was sort of breaking our way in terms of mounting the comeback. Cut it to one touchdown. Then get the ball back. So you know Thorson has the ball. Yes, he needed to drive 98 yards, Um and I, I believe I, I in a minute that yeah, it was, it was it was you know not a lot of time, a long way to go. Could it have happened? Sure. Did it happen? No. Thorson took a, a bad safety, and, and that was that. But uh you know, at the end of the day, we played with Wisconsin, who's the number 10 school in the country. We, we hung with them and and we lost to a better team than we are.
2: It, and I mean, it's, it's so funny too, because it's like, let's say I would have told you before the game, I was like, I'm looking into a crystal ball. Our defense is going to play awesome in this game, except for what would be the thing that you would have filled in? You would have probably been like, Jonathan probably, Taylor? I would have, well, honestly, I, we, best, we held him in check.
1: Big we, time. Yeah, I, we
2: totally held yeah. him in check. I I think I would have been like one of our injury riddled cornerbacks oh, sure, over the sure. top. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, poor Trey Williams, he just got beat and it's happened in two different games. And again, I kind of feel like, I mean, people talk about Justin Jackson. I, I mean, Trey Williams is not supposed to be playing yet. He was supposed to be some, you know, a mid-season thing. And he's basically been forced into a starting role. And I just think he's trying to heal up on a week-by-week basis. And, again, great play by him with the strip on the opening play of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the, but, the first two plays of the game, we forced fumbles. Right. So, I mean, he's – I mean, and the defense was great. I mean, you've got to be feeling good if you looked at the two deep. Sommed up Miller is officially the other starting – and opposite Gaztown, and that's because him and Gaziano had great games. Uh, if you get a sack from each one of those guys in a game, that's a great starting point. So um, I think – and, you know, the first half could not have gone much better. I mean, again, obviously our, the, the offense could have done more, but that's what happens when you're getting shredded by the other team's pass rush. But I,
1: I, I totally agree that the defense is the, the thing to come out of this and feel really good about um, for two reasons – one, Alex Hornibrook, for as much gum, grief as we might give him, I mean, I think we like to poke fun at him a little bit. He's actually really improved his statistics thus far this year. Now, granted, Wisconsin has like we are the best team Wisconsin has played, but his, in a long in a long shot too. But his, but his yards per attempt are up uh, from seven to ten this year.
2: His completion. No matter, his completion. No matter pers- how many. No matter how many accolades you heap on Alex Hornerbrook, you can't possibly do more than Brock Hewer did during that game. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I'm not saying
1: that he's the next Brett Favre. What I'm saying is that he's improved his completion percent, he's throwing downfield more, and he's already equaled last year's touchdown count with half as many picks. So he's he's he's... Performing better than anticipated. This is a better version of Alex Hornibrook than we saw last year, and the fact that Jonathan Taylor has come in and done as well as he has done. This this is where I think Wisconsin might come back down to earth a little bit in the Big Ten. Is that there? You know, we we had concerns about their running game. uh, Sons Corey Clement. And I think we also saw that Taiwan deal either wasn't going to play or was injured or something was going on there. Um we had concerns about, about them on that front. Their O-line is great, but they do not have that just, you know, dramatic burner at, at running back they've had in the past couple seasons, be it James White or Monte ball or uh, the aforementioned Corey Clement. So I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Wisconsin looks in, in subsequent big 10 games, but, we should feel really good about how the defense performed against this team, given what they've already done against lesser competition. I want to swing back to your opening comment, uh, Sam, about Hank or not Hankowitz about McCall, because while I agree the offense, I would say the offense performed maybe better than I anticipated. I I mean, I expected this to be like a 15 to, to 20 game or a, you know a 13 to 17 game like a couple of years ago or for Wisconsin to just run away with it given it given it was in in their their own house but putting up 24 in the badgers is no mean task however to have third and one on the opening drive off of a fumble of the other team deep 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 in your territory i don't care what the play call is we have to have that we have to have that and if yeah. Justin Jackson hasn't played all week and frankly, we've struggled in that type of um, – we struggled in short-yarded situations running the ball against Nevada, and we struggled in short yardage situations running against Wisconsin. Like, you want to do a short-yard running package? Sure. Give the ball to Thorson and let him fall forward. But this, this slow-developing nonsense and, – and like, it, it's – I don't even mind if it's a conservative play call, but – there has to be a broader perspective if Northwestern wants to compete for the Big Ten West title and be serious about it. That is a third down conversion they must get.
2: Oh, for
0: sure. And, and later, and- later in the game, in third and short, Thorson did take it up the middle and, and got the one. I, I, I remember that play, Scuzz, uh, and I was shocked. You know, Jackson lined up. Seven or eight yards behind the line of scrimmage against that defense. Are against you kidding that defense. me? And and they didn't have. The, there was no fullback. It wasn't the jumbo package. And you know you can't run a slow developing play up the middle when the defensive line is like, we are not moving. You so know? I have
1: a I have a little bit of a theory here, and it's and it's that. We've, we've heard a lot of accolades put on McCall from, from color commentators about his, um, uh, his, his play scripting. And, and I think we've often seen Northwestern come out and have a really awesome first possession or, or even first couple series in that the, the, the plays are, the passes are building off the runs and the concepts are working together. Like the guy can put together a game plan. I think where he really gets into trouble it's not in the 2-minute drill towards the end of the game at that stage like the Northwestern offense just takes over and does its thing. It's in the it's in the in-between where he's either adjusting to to an unexpected situation or adjusting to the other team's adjustments that that McCall struggles. And in this particular case, I feel like they got caught, I mean they were they were planning to have to drive from their own 20, right? Against Wisconsin, the plays were all written up and all of a sudden they got the ball in, in the Wisconsin red zone. And uh, I, in some ways I think they just choked and uh, like, I'm, I'm not where I'm, I'm not trying to go. I'm not trying to take this into like a, a fire McCall firestorm. I think, I think it's more about what the program wants to be and, and what they want to, to take seriously um, in terms of competing for titles. And he's not a, he's not a bad offensive coordinator. I think, I think he's just really bad in some of these situations. And I think this one was a really, really obvious one.
2: So I have another theory too, and it's similar, but it's, it's a little bit different. Um, because one thing I do want to, and one thing I do want to give McCall credit about this season is I think he's understood. And then we say this because there were several seasons, notably, was it like two seasons ago where he just could not get this through his skull? Um, and this season, I think he's grasped very early on that this team sucks running between the tackles. Yeah, fair. like we just we just do. So and, I do it on third and, and one in a critical well, so, situation. Oh my so god! Here's, so here's my and here's my thought on that. Right, I think because it was so early in the game, there was there was a little bit of well, let's see what we've got. Let's just see. We're gonna take up. We're gonna take the temperature of the between the tackles running, and then after that, it was like, well, alrighty. I guess that's not working. And then just about every run from that point on, including the ones that involve Larkin, who had a alright game from an average perspective. Um, you know, we're outside the tackle, and that's been a real theme. Pulling linemen has been a huge theme. I swear to God, we've pulled more linemen this this season than I've seen us do in the past like five or six seasons, and that's good. Be in that, I think. I think McCall recognizes that if this line is going to have any success, the one thing these guys are is relatively mobile and that we might be able to take advantage of that. Not that it's an effective thing, but it's better than just smacking your head into the line every time. With that said, we're also scarred from his past seasons of doing that. Then, right. I think when we came out in that third down, everyone's already going, oh God, here it comes. Um, We didn't really go back to it after that. Um, but again, I think so. I think it's a combination of that. I think it's a combination of taking the temperature and like you said, being thrown off guard and kind of reverting to, well, this is what we usually do on first down. But as we go in, like, you know, Penn State next week, I mean, Iowa um, the week after that, like if you think Josie Jewell is going to allow us to run up the middle, like it's just not going to happen. Well, it's just like, such our-
1: a it's just such a brutal place to, to as you said, take the temperature. I think that's a really good I think that's a really good theory, John. I just, i it, the, like, the, the brain sense of that, like, from a bigger picture perspective uh, of, like, get the third down and then, sure, try that on first down, you know? Like, Wisconsin might have stopped us, you know, inside the 10 anyway because their defense was so good, but for the love of God, you can't. Oh, it's such a it's such a high leverage play. It's you know like the like the the points the the expected points for that possess, possession. I mean we 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 were we already kind of put ourselves behind the eight ball and we recovered for the first half for sure. But um, I just would have could have should have right.
2: If so, for me, I just think back to the pit game. Third and one. There's only one play that I want to see. I want Garrett Dickerson uh, coming out in super back. I want like two wide receivers on the left, and I want Garrett Dickerson tight to the strong side on, like, the opposite side. And then I want Justin Jackson just to flare out into the right flat, and I want Garrett Dickerson to just do a crossing route to the left flat while the two wide receivers cross above him. And then just dump it to Dickerson or dump it to Jackson. You're going to get the one yard. Like, that's that's the kind of thing where I kind of feel like, look, Justin Jackson is clearly a weapon, even if he's hurt. But, like, you've got to find a better way to utilize him than just feeding him into the line behind this horrible line. If it's got to be dumping passes out into the flats or giving him little dump passes over the middle, something where you can take advantage of his ability to stretch three into, like, seven or eight. Um, but you know, that's the kind of thing, but right. I think we're all in agreement. Like if it's third and inches, then fine, put Clayton under center and we'll take our chances with the sneak. But, uh, aside from that, now we're into big 10 season. Like put Garrett just Dickerson
1: under center for the love of God.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm just, and again, part of it too, is up until this game, the line, and, and, and I do want to say this too, like Wisconsin's D might just be really, really good. They've got a lot of players. I mean, Dooley, my God, what a monster. And even with, you know, the linebackers out, they still have TJ Edwards out there. Um, and Leonard just looks like he really knows what he's doing as a coordinator. And, I mean, they, they just may have an awesome defense this year. So, again, our line was clearly bad in this game from a pass-pro perspective. But we've been pretty good from a pass-pro perspective up until this point. And I'm just saying this from the perspective that, like, we need to throw the ball a lot. We ran one play... It had me really excited, and then we didn't go back to it. And that was Larkin was on the field. We pulled two linemen um, and I think faked a run to the right and then threw a slant pattern, and I was just, like, giddy because I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's something you can actually do if you're pulling linemen all the time. It's great for play action because the defense can't read what you're doing, and Lord knows we're screaming for slants enough as it is. I'm like, yes, do that. Do (laughs) Do more of that. More Flynn Nagel, you know, shallow over the middle while we fake two-pulling linemen. I'd love it.
0: Well, guys, I do want to uh, leave this behind for now um, and look ahead to uh, this weekend's game against Penn State. Um, I mean, I, it's it's hard not to look at Penn State and say, uh, how do we deal with Saquon Barkley And you know, once we you know, if we can contain Barkley, kind of like Indiana was able to do when he was playing running back, how do we deal with Trace McSorley?
1: So Um, so you know what the secret is? Tell me. Don't contain him. That's so. That's what Iowa did. Iowa almost beat Penn State by allowing him, allowing him to rush for 211 yards and seven point yard five yards per carry. And they were a split second or an Akram Wadley knee away from beating Penn State. And the the interesting thing about Penn State this year is their offense has been, um, much more contained than it was two years ago. Pittsburgh, uh, they didn't have a, have the exact same uh, approach in terms of of allowing um, Barkley to go bonkers, but they did not allow what they did not allow to happen was for Trace McSorley to go nuts and that seems to be the formula. So even against Pitt, Barkley averaged 6.3 yards per carry. He had 12.3 against Akron, 7.5 against uh, against Iowa, uh, only 2.8 against Indiana. So they 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 went in, they didn't have that same formula, but I don't think Indiana ever really had a chance to beat Penn State given given the other side of the ball. I th- it seemed like except for the very beginning of that game, Indiana played with with Penn State
0: yeah, and except then, like, for the first quarter, which was a nightmare for them. Yeah,
1: the mistakes that piled up, right? And that and that changes the the dynamics of the game. Like like Penn State probably knew they didn't need to to run Barkley like crazy because they got the two special teams uh, touchdowns essentially. So yeah. Um. But I, but I look at what Iowa did, and granted, we don't have a Josie Jewell on our team. We have a better D line. Um. I think we can rush the passer better than than Iowa can. Um. We probably have better safeties than Iowa. Our cornerbacks are obviously a huge problem. But if we were to I, I mean, I think I think what you're gonna see on Saturday is the most bend and don't break approach to Northwestern defense that like like if there's a sliding scale, we're gonna be at the top end of that scale in terms of bend but do not break. Because when when Penn State kills you is when they start hitting those long passes of the receivers. And then you're dealing with the three-headed monster of of Barkley, who's virtually unstoppable of his, in his own right, plus all the other stuff. If you can keep uh, McSorley frustrated and contain him and not let that passing game to get into a rhythm, I, I think you have a better shot to beat Penn State than if you focus all your energy on slowing Barkley and hope that they don't start hitting things on the back end.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that kind of worries me on the other side is right. I mean, I think that that all makes perfect sense. I'm a little bit worried that Penn state's defense appears to be significantly better than it was last season.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, Indiana's offense is, is not too bad. And I think they were, they were totally shut down. I mean, Iowa about, we respected, they still haven't played a really great offense. We might be the best offense they've played so far. If we're clicking, um, but, you know, it is kind of weird because on one hand, I, I kind of feel like Penn State maybe has a little bit better of a team than they had last year, but they were so lucky last year that it's hard to know what that all means. I mean, this year, Penn State still, I mean, should have lost to Iowa. And they really – you could I mean, you could argue that they haven't played a truly good team yet and they still should have a loss. So uh I think, you know, the fact that we have them at home also – this game easily could go right for us. Um, this game is trap, trappy, trap, trap for Penn state. Uh, they have Michigan next the week after, and they have Ohio state the week after that. So, um, you well, know, except
0: catch... they they have their buy next week.
2: Right. Okay. Right. So they do have the buy. That's true. Um, but still, I mean, it's the, this is kind of in their mind, kind of the calm before the storm. And I mean, I I could totally see Penn State's just one of those teams on paper. If the defense is better and they have all those weapons on offense, they're totally capable of getting it done. But if you just look at the Iowa game and any number of games from last season, Penn State lets teams hang around and that totally could be us. And if, if, you know, we have the right game plan and we can catch a little momentum, I could totally see us getting it done. And I do totally believe too, that, Penn State has not faced an offense. I mean, their defense is certainly better. It's not Wisconsin's defense, and you know if we can get the pass game going, I think we can be in this.
1: Well, I think it's it's important to remember too. Like Northwestern has not really put together a complete game. Like may, maybe Bowling Green was a complete game from the Cats, but we haven't we haven't been firing on all cylinders at, at any point. And if that situation happened, like like. I would have argued, I think, when the season started that, sure, we have a shot to beat Penn State. We have a shot to beat anyone on any given Saturday, but the chances are very remote. I feel a lot better about that possibility now, but we need we need to have a really good game. And the one the one thing that, that goes in our favor, I think two things that go in our favor in terms of our, our biggest weaknesses, um, Penn State doesn't have that great of a defensive line, like especially for rushing the passer. Yes, their defense is playing better, um, than we expected, and better than last year i to me that 's mostly about their secondary and especially their safeties their d line and they generally try to get pressure with four is not generating the type of of, of pressure you would expect from um, from that type of team and so our o line should have a much um, more manageable task i 'll say than they did last week against Wisconsin on the other side. Um, Their receivers aren't, aren't tearing people apart and they don't have, they don't have the type of dramatic, physical, imposing receivers that have given Northwestern fits in the past. Now, granted, they had a couple of big time freshmen that they were bringing in this year that I know I was worried about, um, guys that, uh, had maybe seen the field a little bit last year and, and had a chance to break in this year as big six, four type players right now. I, I mean, Barkley is their leading receiver. Deshaun Hamilton, who was who was their their really good receiver last year, is their second leading receiver. So I mean, like, they they're not they're not hitting on all cylinders on that front. And if we can hide enough of our cornerback issues, um, maybe you know maybe McShepard will be more right for this game. I don't know. We'll see. But I I'm saying there's a chance, and it's 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 greater than uh than Jim Carrey's chance was in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs>
0: So say you know i I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier um when when you were talking about how you know we needed to be bend, but don't break you know play play
1: keep them between the twenties um well well, I don't know if we need to I think we will <laughs> I think, I, think that I feel confident about nothing else than than the the amount of cushion that we're gonna see on every play against their white house like fifteen <laughs> yards um but I guess then how, what does that look
0: like once they hit the red zone i mean how how do you then turn up the pressure uh... well then you
1: don't then you don't have to worry about the vertical stretch as much right um the other the other thing that's that's uh, beneficial to us is that mike uh, mike Gusecki, who is a big time pro tight end prospect at this stage for penn state um is is possibly dinged up and going to miss this game He's uh, he's tied with Deshaun Hamilton for for four touchdowns on the team. He's clearly uh, probably the first target that McSorley looks to in the red zone. But I mean, I, obviously, like like the the biggest thing that that the Bemba don't break right is focused on is, is making sure explosion plays don't happen. And then in the red zone, you just have to execute and you have to uh, stay in front of guys and and you can't let the QB have all day. And you know you gotta um, get off your blocks, et cetera. So I think that's i mean that's gonna, that's going to be the scary thing right i mean you saw what what penn state did to iowa uh essentially in the red zone at the end of the game like they just they found a way their skill talent is ridiculous their offensive line is not good i i mean gastown and Samdup and lancaster and others should have uh plenty of opportunity to make, and worth, to make worth a name remembering. For themselves
2: Jonathan Taylor did not have a particularly great game against our defense, which is, you know, I'm not saying he's Saquon Barkley, but the, the run run was good last game.
0: Well, um, it, it is homecoming. So, and, you know, Penn State isn't really known for, for traveling exceptionally well. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, it's not going to be, you know, hopefully we'll have a great crowd on Saturday. Um, I, I know it's supposed to be a little wet in the morning. Hopefully that won't carry on into the game. Uh, but uh, definitely looking forward to you know this weekend. Uh, it is homecoming. It's a, it's always great to see everyone coming back uh, into town. Um, kind of looking around the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, you know, this weekend. You know, we've got a couple. Uh, well. A couple interesting matchups. Um, you know, Illinois is at Iowa, don't really care. Minnesota's at Purdue. I'm a little surprised Purdue's a four point favorite, but aside from that, don't really care. Uh, Indiana's hosting Charleston Southern, don't care. Maryland at Ohio State, Maryland's on their third or fourth string quarterback at this point, and Ohio State seems to be figuring everything out. So I, I guess, you know, mild upset alert, but no, uh, no. no. Uh, Mm -mm. The the two evening games, um, Michigan State at Michigan and Wisconsin at Nebraska. Um, On paper, they look like they're going to tilt very heavily towards Michigan and towards Wisconsin. Uh, Does Michigan State, have they shown you enough to make you think that they could hang with Michigan?
2: So two two halves of this. First of all, credit where credit is due, they managed to beat Iowa. Um, and again, my expectations are so low for this Michigan State team that uh, I give them mad props for that. On the other hand, they scored 17 points, and now they have to play Michigan's defense. Um, and I've seen nothing nothing whatsoever this season that has led me to believe that Michigan State can score points. So I just don't see... How I mean I know I mean they John O'Corn, right so if Michigan State's defense pulls out some serious pride and makes it a low scoring game maybe but I just how like how do they score points in this game I just don't see how it's possible
1: I I'm wondering if John O'Corn is an upgrade on Wilton Spate um, if if nothing else I think he uh, might be better in the interception department particularly the pick six department which has been killing Michigan during the <laughs> Wilton Spate era. In big games, but um, I I agree with you, John. I don't I don't see how Michigan State can score enough to have a shot in this game. Uh, the line of ten and a half for Michigan maybe feels a little strong, given how hard of a time they've had um, on offense, particularly you know like their run game just doesn't look that great. Uh, that the aforementioned quarterback issues, but I just. I just don't see how Michigan State scores more than a more than a handful of field goals. Maybe that'd be enough, you know. Maybe this is a nine-six, <laughs> boring event. But um, yeah, it feels like Michigan should be able to pull this out. Michigan's and, a ten. Michigan's a ten and a half point favorite, and the over/under is forty. Yeah, that is so low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking like twenty, like twenty-five to fifteen. If,
2: if Michigan gets hot in any way, shape, or form, this is, could be a blowout. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: I th- I mean, this game always tends to be un a-, a little unexpected, just because like Michigan State gets so up for it, but I just don't think they got the horses. It's at the big house.
0: That that I mean, sure. Last time that that game was at the big house, you had the oh, yeah, had the- trouble with the snap exactly. But <laughs> uh, I, they're two different teams from that that game two years ago. Hey for hey guys, sure. can I can I ask you a, can I ask you a question?
1: Yeah, if. Clayton Thorson who's reasonably mobile um, got sacked 8 times against Wisconsin how
2: many times are they going to put down there's, Tanner Lee there's there's only there's only one team in the conference that has clearly bigger problems at tackle than we do, and that's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oh, my God. Nebraska starts the worst tackles in the conference. I'm not exaggerating. Their tackles are so flippin' bad. Its injuries combined with the young guys behind the injured guys are just shockingly bad. They scored, I mean, people to point to the NIU game, They've played, put 27 on Rutgers and 28 on Illinois. They put 28 on Illinois in a game where Illinois basically didn't get across midfield. Uh, so I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, when they, not like, oh my God, like Tanner Lee. Maybe just sit him for this game. So
0: I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here just for a second. And this will be the last time ever you will hear me defending Nebraska. And I'm not defending Nebraska because they're terrible, but... You know, don't you think that they're coming into this game with a "we have absolutely nothing to lose" mentality? The AD's already been I fired. I don't think Mike Riley feels that way. <laughs> <Well>, Riley, <laughs> on his way out. He he's he's done. I'm sure, that they,
1: I'm sure that they are thinking that Sam. I don't think it will matter. Sure, fair and, enough. Absolutely. And part, part of the so, it, I go back to that that game they had against Oregon, where Oregon just blitzed the heck out of them. I I mean I don't know I don't I don't see Nebraska's defense really slowing down Wisconsin's offense very much. I think Wisconsin should easily be able to put up if they put up 33 on us. I think you know 35, 40 is is a, a pretty reasonable expectation for them to get in against Nebraska. Guess what that probably means. A lot more of Tanner Lee passing in the second half. And I don't think His no, pinpoint accuracy. And yeah. I don't think Wisconsin's defensive line is gonna is gonna fall off the way Oregon's did. I mean, Oregon's defense just ran out of gas in that game and 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 couldn't do anything. They couldn't get any more push, uh, they couldn't get any more pressure, and Lee basically had all day to pick them apart, which is how he almost brought Nebraska back. That ain't gonna happen for Wisconsin. These boys are gonna be hungry and flying around and I like he might get tackled
2: 14 times sacked 14 times I mean if you it's funny if you watch the NIU game NIU had a really good defensive game plan and they just totally abused Nebraska all game and Wisconsin's gonna have a really good game plan and twice the talent NIU has hey Root for Wisconsin to kick the crap out of Nebraska, because Nebraska has Ohio State the next week, which they will lose, and then they're at Purdue the week after that. So I could see a, a situation on November 4th where we're maybe catching just a dumpster fire of a team that's already fired Mike Riley and ha- doesn't know which way is up. Uh, keep burning, Nebraska. Just get worse and worse. Uh, Looking around the
0: country uh, this weekend um, Huge Thursday night game Louisville at NC State That should be a lot of fun Um, You got Wake Forest Who I think may have come back down to earth a little bit uh, Going to Clemson That's not going to go too well for them Going to come a lot back further down to earth (laughs) Yeah they're going to go under the earth Yeah, Uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma Georgia at Vandy That's not going to be pretty Ole Miss Auburn will be ugly. Um West Virginia at TCU game day's gonna be at uh in Fort Worth for that game. That that T- should be
1: TCU's a thirteen point favorite? It's yeah. kinda of weird. I don't know. Be, I mean they're they're ranked number eight. Yeah. I'm, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean is, is that really a game in... day game if it's that lopsided? I don't
0: know. I mean, that, I'm just that, that's mad, where they're think... going. I'm I'm trying to think where else you know, where else would they go?
2: I'm um, just still mad that Wazoo they weren't at Wazoo last week. They absolutely the,
0: would have been ha- if it wasn't on Friday night,
2: right? So and and Wazoo's at Oregon this week, so that's another week they have to get through um, before they can get that game day game. Um, it uh, actually they've got road games for a while, so it's probably uh, probably going to be a while.
0: Miami at Florida State. You know, Florida State looks just awful uh, without without a quarterback. How is, is Notre Dame really no, number 21? I mean, are, yep. are we buying into that? Are they, Yeah,
1: yep. they're good? They're good. They're not, well, I mean, George they're just making, they're, George is making them look good right now. They're not top 15 because they have a QB that, um, goes like rabbit style the moment that, that, uh, he's up against, you know, a good defensive line, but I mean, they're going to mop the floor with one and four North Carolina.
2: Oh UNC's awful. That the Duke law the Duke Duke's win against UNC is does not have the luster it had a little while ago. they uh, UNC's a mess. LSU Florida. Um oh, hide oh your boy. kids, hide your wife. <laughs>
0: I'm having a hard time it, it really it shouldn't surprise me that people are already calling for Ogeron's head even with a twelve million dollar buyout.
2: Whoever loses this game is whoever watches this game. Watch another game. Ugh, this is this game's going to be just gross.
0: Well, and there is a potential for a hurricane coming through, so that could make it even
1: more interesting. Uff. Um I, I guess S- you sa- sadly uh I think Austin Appleby is no longer on the um I think he graduated. I don't think he's he's with the, the Gators anymore, so we can't have Purdue quarterback, ex-Purdue quarterback bowl again. No, no. And uh,
0: Luke Del Rio out for the year with a broken collarbone. Now yep. you've got um, uh, the freshman and Malik Zaire who still can't
2: win the starting job at Florida. I'm confident that it's still going to feel like we have two former Purdue quarterbacks <laughs> starting this game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, USC definitely gets uh, a week to lick their wounds after losing up in uh, up at the Palouse. Uh, Oregon State is definitely a cure for what ails you, um, you know. As they head down to LA to take on the Trojans, Alabama, Texas A and M. Uh, yeah, it's in College Station, but no, I I mean twenty
1: seven point line, yeah.
2: Uh, that's, that's going to be a typical Alabama spread for just about every game left on their schedule They are, until, at least until the iron bowl.
1: So I, I, de- I definitely need to retract my, my Mississippi state flag waving that happened a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Um, that red flag has been, uh, has been replaced with a white one. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't see anything on their schedule. Even, even Auburn who, you know, who, who looks to be revived at this stage, like I I, I forget who I heard talking about it, but Alabama at this stage is basically, they're basically playing their backups in the second half. And, uh, it was a solid verbal was talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically playing their backups in the second half. So if you think about it, they're not only do they have all of the talent in the world, right? Top to bottom on their roster, but everybody's getting reps too. And so by year, I mean, by year end, they're going to effectively have, you know, one and a half Alabama's, um, it's just it's absurd how I, I think until Saban leaves that that program is just going to be head and shoulders above everyone. Um,
2: it's funny, too, just because for so much of his tenure at Alabama, the whole conference has been good and he's succeeded in spite of how good the conference has been. And now yeah. the conference is just garbage there. What I mean, George is good. Auburn might be good. That's it. And that's that's it. That is yeah. it.
0: Nothing else really jumping out of the on the schedule you know
1: wazoo at Oregon maybe uh, Oregon lost all their quarterbacks so and Royce Freeman so I mean ugh.
2: um why wazoo's a good football team yeah like they they might put it on Oregon they're good on both sides of the ball now this is not this is not wazoo of a couple of years ago this is probably a top 10 team
1: I will say a lot of road favorites this weekend like an abnormally high number of road favorites. Um, so just took that away. I, I'll swing back, you know, the one of the game that I actually am a little interested is, is the, the Purdue Minnesota game. Okay. Mostly to see if this, if this Purdue rise uh, continues, um, you know, Minnesota didn't look as good as I thought they should have against Maryland last week. And, and they ended up losing, but, uh, they have to go to Purdue on on the back of that. Uh, Purdue's coming off a bye. They had that bad game against Michigan. They've had a chance to lift their wounds, to understand this offense even better. I, I mean, this, this could be, in my mind, kind of the coming out party for Purdue, where they're they're on national TV and they finally get to kind of make a statement like, "Hey, we're you know we're for real. We're going to be competing in this conference." Um, and that, that that would be interesting. That would be kind of a dynamic shift um, in the pecking order of the Big Ten West, in my opinion, if it if it came to fruition.
2: It's just educational, too. I mean, Maryland and Minnesota played each other so close last week. And now, you know, so it's like it's another barometer. It's like, yeah. well, if, if Maryland and Minnesota are about the same, how does Purdue stack up to them? It's just learning about that whole big seven-game or eight-game slog that we go through um, beyond the Penn State game. I kind of want to take a look at a uh, little
0: Pac-12 after dark um, on FS1 at 9:15 Central. God, that's so late, but uh, I I want to I want to see Bryce Love live. You know, I, I mean, he is tough matchup gaudy, too. Gaudy tough, numbers, yeah. tough matchup
1: yeah. too on the road at Utah.
0: Yeah, Utah's good defense, and you know Love is averaging 11 yards per carry. i mean it's broken that 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 should be a lot of fun to watch
2: and stanford's not even good that's what's that's what's so crazy about it like they uh although to be fair their two losses are to usc and san diego state but i mean they they barely beat an arizona state team that's pretty mediocre but yeah i mean it's it's funny it's kind of a shame for him that he's kind of toil he's probably gonna end up toiling in relative obscurity this year but, yeah, you're right, it's it's good to watch.
1: O-line running back and tight end, they do it very well out there. They still have um, not a lot going on in their receivers and problems with quarterback and their defense isn't what it was during the Harbaugh era, but the, the I, I think they, they have, outside of Alabama, maybe the best O-line in the country, and then their running backs and tight ends are just always really, really solid. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: nothing else really jumping out on the schedule. Uh, you know, Cal, I don't think, is as good as we thought. They're at Washington. Central Florida at Cincinnati. because you, you're going? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there and uh, continue our search for the swoley Grail.
1: So, for my final thought, um, bear with me here. Uh, so, I was in as in Europe last week. Obviously, I missed out on the, on the podcast, etc. But I did get to. I did not. I did not take the Scuzz model with me. That would not have been allowed. But a, a major element in the Scuzz model is a Monte Carlo is a Monte Carlo simulation, which is a, a statistical method method of uh, running a bunch of observations with with uh, variations in the parameters and i did go to the monte carlo casino the actual monte carlo casino um i will advise future visitors to not pay the 12 euros to go into the casino to see you know like the 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 fancy stuff because the gajillionaires that are gambling there are like behind three additional layers of of levels that you can't get to anyway um but it was kind of cool to see. It's a pretty opulent building. If you think of it as just like a historic place, uh it's it's pretty awesome. But uh, I was thinking about the fact that um the the simulation I use every week in college football is named after this establishment. Um that kind of uh made me chuckle. Nice. I feel like
2: you could have I feel like you could have name-dropped the Scuz model and got past those three extra layers Scuz. <laughs> <laughs> they have been like, yeah. "Oh, you're that Eric Scowlsbo? Well, by all means, I'll just
1: say I'll just say I was dressed like an American tourist because our our hotel was on the was up on the hill, and I didn't want to walk like two miles back up um, to put on,
2: uh, which in Monte Carlo is basically vertical. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, but regardless, we had we had a lot of fun. Um, we mostly sat outside the Monte Carlo that night and watched. Um, absurdly expensive vehicles pass us by um with quite with a lot of frequency so that's Good
2: awesome times. man that's really cool it is cool i've i've been there as well and it's it is a sweet place and it's all about the cars <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think like one out of every three people has like a ferrari there one question for- i have for you guys
0: favorite beer garden at uh, oktoberfest
1: Ooh, that is a tough one um Mostly because the first night we were like amateurs, uh, in, in that, like, I think we were in bed by like 9 p.m. Um, we did not, we did not do well on the whole, like, you would think that we were like sophomores in college the way we performed, um, the first night at Oktoberfest. But that being said, the, like, like the, the traditional Hofbrow uh, tent was pretty amazing. We went to one the second night, um, it starts with an O, and it's it, like this family's been running it forever. They, they serve spot and beer, and that one was that was really good. We ate oxen, like roast nice. oxen, and yeah. that, was, that was an epic meal. And that led to a much better drinking experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, that's awesome. Um, for my final thought, <clears throat> we've talked about this before, but um, the Ed Kaihatsu billboard is back up on Chicagoland area expressways. Um, We talked about this on the pod, I think maybe about a year ago or maybe a little bit less the first time it popped up. Um, Former Northwestern assistant uh, fencing coach Ed Kaihatsu, one of the best assistant coaches in the history of NCAA fencing, um, is up on billboards throughout Chicagoland, once again, for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with his coaching prowess. Um, and this week, uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, I'm going to have a piece up on the website about it, just kind of delving as thoroughly as possible into just how ridiculous the whole situation is um, and just how funny I find it. But um, So look for that uh, on the website. It should be something fun and fun to read over the next couple of days. So, for my
0: final thought, I've been just batting around the idea of perhaps bringing my uh, Trevor Simeon jersey to to the game on Saturday, because uh, with the Broncos on a bye, Trevor is uh, going to be in the house oh, for yes. Northwestern Penn State. Um, I've, I've been I've been mulling around the thought of of bringing either my jersey or my daughter's Simeon jersey to try to get it signed. Um, might be more trouble than it's worth, but, uh you know, well, that's something I'm definitely going to be going to be looking at. You should
1: absolutely do this. <laughs>
2: and don't forget for anyone, I think it's still up on the site. Uh, there, Uh There is a photo of Trevor Simeon with the Westlot Pirates uh, on Ryan Field, I believe, from... What was it? Was it three years ago? Or heck now, it's oh, like that four, was, or five, that was, four or five years ago. Yeah, it was a while back. Spring game. He was like a redshirt freshman there. Pretty much looks exactly the same now. But So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he'll remember. Be like, oh, yes, Westlot Pirates. Pick you out of the crowd and sign it. <laughs> we, we I, can you, only, you, if we can only you
1: guys, you guys are the guys that keep trying to get my SID to sign off on uh, an interview. Not, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. not S.I.D., but no, whatever, PR whatever. guy. Yeah.
2: Look, PR, PR just, department. Yeah, I've, let's just go straight to the source. That's I, what I'm saying. I
0: have <laughs> definitely spoken with multiple people in the Broncos PR department and <laughs> been shot down at every opportunity. Yeah, to, but, to uh, no
1: avail. Tell case, them about the swolly grail, Sam. I, I, I will
0: do that. I will do that. Uh, so let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. Head to our website, WestLotPirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at WestLotPirates. You can call our voicemail line at 847 at eight four seven two three one cats And you can email the show, WestLotPirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the WestLot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the 4th. For John Lacombe and Eric i and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.